0: We're talking about your favorite subject matter and mine, giving. And uh, so we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 this morning, and we're going to be in verses 1 through 11 as we look at this area of biblical giving. I know that's why you're all here this morning, is you wanted to be challenged in your giving to the Lord. You know, normally you might have in church a message on giving prior to a special offering, and here we are, post-offering, where you surpassed the goal that we have with your faithful giving. Now, looking at what does the Scriptures teach about biblical giving, and we're going to look at that this morning. First Corinthians chapter 16, if you're following along in your pew Bible, it's page 962. You can also follow along on the screen or in your copy of God's Word. First Corinthians 16, verses 1 through 11, Paul's writing, and he says, Now concerning the collection for the saints... As I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that, you may be, so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost for a wide door for effective work has opened to me and there are many adversaries. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. This is a great portion of God's word as we're continuing on in our series in First Corinthians course correction. We have this week and next week as we wrap up this great letter. I hope you've been encouraged and you've been challenged in our time there. Now this morning we're going to spend the majority of Our time in God's Word in verses 1 through 4 as we examine this vitally important area of biblical giving. Uh, We'll close the message out this morning by looking at verses 5 through 11, but the majority of verses 5 through 11 are Paul's intentions and plans for travel, some instructions he's giving about traveling. And so we're not going to spend a great deal of time in verses 5 through 11, but we're going to really focus in on verses 1 through 4. Now, as we begin, I want to start by telling you some things that are false that sometimes accompany thoughts when the pastor preaches on giving. And so let me just dispel a few things as far as some things that just are not necessarily true or just not true when it comes to giving. First, it is not true that the church is only concerned about money, and that's all they talk about. Um, If you've been here, you know that is not the case. If you're new, Stick around, you'll find out that that that's not the case. However, if you're here and you are saying, well, every time I go to church, the pastor is preaching about giving. Maybe God wants to get your attention about something, if that's the case. But the reality is the church is not all about money. On the contrary, we are all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not concerned only about finances and money, And that's not all we talk about. And I think that's important for us to understand this morning. But when the Word of God talks about this issue, we will talk about this issue. And this is a very important matter for the follower of Jesus. God has clear expectations for you and me as followers of Christ when it comes to this area of giving, however uncomfortable sometimes that can make us feel, or however much that might make us feel like the spotlight is on us. And if you feel that way this morning, I am not targeting you. Maybe God is. And so just listen to what the word of God has to say this morning. Secondly, if you give money to the church, God will give you everything you want in life. That is not true. Okay? That is false. It's not true that if you simply give give to God and honor God with your resources and your finances, that You're going to have more wealth than you can possibly ever spend in your life. It's not true. You can faithfully give to God and not be rich by the standards of society. You can faithfully give to God and honor God in your giving and still have wants in this life that you may never see. Which, by the way, let me also say, just as you can't get everything you want in life monetarily and and financially and things just because you give. Let me also say, and this is very important, you cannot buy your way to heaven. You can't buy someone else's way to heaven. No amount of giving and no amount of money is sufficient in the eyes of a holy God to earn special favor or position with him. And no amount of money given on behalf of loved ones whether living or that have passed, will be sufficient to earn or pay anyone's way into heaven. That is not how God operates. Thankfully, that's what we celebrate in the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. There is only one way to heaven, and it's through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Savior, and only through belief in him. So that should give you much relief this morning if you're here And you're hoping by giving you can earn favor with God. You can't. I can't. It's only through God's Son, Jesus Christ, that we have salvation and forgiveness of sins. But it's important for us to understand this because there are many who are preaching a prosperity gospel. There's many who are preaching that if you will just give and sow seeds of giving of your wealth to God, then you can name it and claim it as it relates to possessions, as it relates to cars, as it relates to houses, as it relates to name your number you want in your bank account, demand it of God, and if you will just give, God will do that. That is false. And so if the only reason you're giving to God or you're giving to God is in hopes that God will just overflow your bank account with money, that is not the reason to give, folks. That is not a biblical reason to give. Number three, the New Testament demands a tithe as the only acceptable amount of giving. A tithe is a tenth. It's a very clear biblical principle, a wise principle of giving a starting point of a tithe, the tenth of all you have. You see that? outlined in the Old Testament scriptures. And we see that as something that was being um, also formulated or followed in the New Testament as well. But this is just not true. There's not a specific percentage designated in the New Testament giving as commanded by God. And here's what's interesting is that a tithe and and what would be operated as a tithe in the Old Testament, um, really what that amounted to, a tithe means a tenth. But when we think of tithing, we think of our offering to God and our giving to God. In the Old Testament scriptures, it was more of 20 to 30% that was expected and required of folks that they were giving to God. And let that sink in for a moment. But there's this thought process that the only acceptable form of giving is in a tithe. The tithe seems, a tithe seems to be consistent in biblical pattern of giving for sure, but it's also a wise point to work towards in your giving. But we'll see today, God's standard for New Testament giving is different than Old Testament giving. As a matter of fact, In Old Testament giving, again, a tithe was offered to the Lord and it was expected, it was something that was demanded, but it was much more ultimately than what we think of a tithe as 10% even today. Leads to a fourth point. As long as I'm giving a tithe of my income or going beyond a tithe, I'm honoring God with my money. That's not necessarily true either. As you'll see today, God's desire for his people was that giving is an act of worship and sacrifice. You may be giving a tithe of your income or even greater than a tithe, of your income to the Lord and not truly be honoring God with the resources and finances that he's blessed you with. God may be expecting much more than that as a sacrifice, an offering of sacrifice to him. Number five, if I can't start with a tithe of my income, I just can't give. Again, this is not true. As we'll see today, God wants all of his people to give out of a cheerful heart and for his glory. And so let's look again, verses one through four, as we dive into this text this morning, uh, I'd like to look at 1 Corinthians 16, 1-4, and then I also want to look at, in Paul's second letter, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, but look at verses 1-4 through four again. Now, concerning the collection for the saints, Paul's, as we have mentioned in this uh, letter, has been addressing questions. The, the church at Corinth, the believers were asking. And so now, obviously, the way Paul introduces this particular section, he brings up something that they had brought up to him because he says, now, concerning the collection for the saints, obviously, there had been a question or something had been relayed to Paul about this. And so he's gonna give them instruction. As I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do, on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. This is a collection offering that was being given for the church in Jerusalem that had great need. And so Paul is giving them instructions, some clear New Testament instruction when it comes to their giving. And that's what we want to look at this morning. In Second Corinthians chapter 9, Verses six and seven, Paul says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. These are two important texts that we're going to reference this morning as we look at this area of biblical giving. And so let me just make some observations. First, when it comes to biblical giving, our giving to the Lord should be planned and thoughtful. Our giving to the Lord should be planned and thoughtful. He says, concerning the collection for the saints, he's directing them, he's directing them and providing them with a plan of instruction as it relates to these areas of gifts and giving for the collection for the saints. And Paul references his instruction that he gave to the churches of Galatia and now that he's giving to them. There's consistency here in his instruction. There's consistency in his teaching about giving and our giving to the Lord should be planned and thoughtful. Paul says, on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up. This shows thoughtful, planned Giving. He says, on the first day of every week, you're to put something aside. You're to make a plan. You're to have a plan. You're to think about this. You're to be thoughtful in your gift. You're to set it aside, store it up, so that when the time comes to receive it, it is available and you're able to give it. This is clearly planned and thoughtful. And I want you to think for a moment. In pretty much every area of our life, The things that matter to us, that cost us, or that are going to take an investment of our money or time, we typically have a plan for. If you have children or grandchildren, or you are someone who gives gifts at Christmas, chances are you have some sort of plan for buying those gifts. Maybe lists are made. Maybe you have a special savings account. Maybe there is money that has been designated that you know. That is money for Christmas. You have a Christmas account that you put money into so that you can buy those gifts. You have a a list and plan of what needs to be bought and when it's on sale. We understand this area of thoughtfulness and planning. We do that for Christmas gifts. We do that for Thanksgiving meals. We do that for birthdays. We do that for vacations. Major purchases. What about our giving to the Lord? Notice he also says, each of you. This is something that involves everyone. This is something that involves every believer. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, no matter how old or young, young or old, you and I have a responsibility to honor God with the riches, finances, and blessings he's given to us. And these aren't just financial areas, but it includes financial areas. God's expectation is that we will worship him through our giving. Biblical giving, New Testament giving involves everyone. It's a biblical responsibility for each of us as followers of Christ to give to the Lord, to give to the work of the Lord. It involves everyone without exception. In 2 Corinthians 6 7, Paul says, Each one must give as he has purposed in his heart. Each one must give, he says as each one is purposed in his heart. Giving shows trust in the Lord. It shows support for the work of the Lord. It shows faith in the provision of the Lord. It shows allegiance, dependence, and deference to the Lord. Giving shows where our true perspective of the wealth, money, and resources God has given to us lies. It shows honor to the Lord and recognition that what we have is only because of his hand. This should be seen and true of every believer in Christ. Everyone is expected to give and it should be planned and it should be thoughtful. This is important for us to understand. I, I don't know when the last time, maybe it's never happened that you've sat down. If you're a single, that you've sat down to think about this. If you're married, that as a married couple, you sat down to think about this, that you in petitioning the Lord and asking for wisdom from the Lord would say, Lord, I want to be planned and thoughtful in my giving to you. I want to honor you with what you have given to me. And so in a thoughtful, planned way, you ask God to impress on your heart, to guide you, direct you as to what he would have you to give to him first. In a planned and thoughtful way. What a joy and blessing it is to give. What an incredible blessing to give to the Lord from what he has first given to us. Secondly, our giving to the Lord should be consistent and regular. Notice he says again, Verse 2, on the first day of every week, this is a consistent giving. This is a consistent practice that would be taking place here. It's a repeatable thing. It's not a one-time thing. I did it and I'm done. It's a consistent thing. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper. Our giving should be consistent. And regular. Now, this is what's very important as you're, as you're starting to see these things come together. Our giving to the Lord should be planned and thoughtful and our giving to the Lord should be consistent and regular. When you put those things together, this is, again, a joyous thing to be able to give as an act of worship to the Lord. It's the first day of the week. Put it aside. He says, store it up. It belongs to the Lord. We should prioritize our giving to the Lord first. But sometimes... Aren't we guilty of prioritizing everything else first? One of the things I love when I come home, if I'm coming home late at night and my wife has cooked a meal and I love everything she cooks, I really do, everything's good. She's an amazing, amazing cook as far as everything she cooks but there are certain things that are like my favorite things and I love when she makes a dinner that is my favorite dinner and I had a meeting or something, I'm coming home late and when I text her and I'll ask her, like, hey, is there anything left from dinner? And she'll be like, yeah, we set a plate aside for you. I love that. And I come to the house and I can't wait. And like the plate's there and it's wrapped up and I'm like, ooh, all right. Like that's my plate. But here's why we have to do that because if we don't do that, there will be nothing left. <laughs> I'm amazed. No matter how much we might cook, it will all be gone. So what my wife does, if I'm not gonna be home till later, is she gets a plate out and she sets aside what is for me first because if not, when I get home, there'll be nada, nothing left. Empty. Listen to me, this is sometimes what we're guilty of doing when it comes to our giving to the Lord. Sometimes our thoughts about giving to the Lord is, Lord, if there's anything left, you can have it. And do you understand that's the wrong perspective when it comes to our giving. That's why Paul makes it very clear. He says, on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up. Isn't it true that when we wait to see what's left, oftentimes God gets very little or nothing? But in the same way we kind of do that, right, when we know someone is going to eat, and we know if we don't do it first, there'll be nothing left, we need to take it out first. Prioritize is an act of worship, our giving to the Lord. That's what Paul's challenging them here with. He's challenging them here. And he's saying, listen, your giving should be planned and thoughtful. It should be consistent and regular. And folks, here's the bottom line. If we don't do that first, oftentimes we just won't do that. And maybe that's where you're at. Maybe that's where you've been. But this is true in our giving. We do the same thing with our bills, don't we? The mortgage is due. That's money that can't be touched. Car payment is due that's money spoken for, electric, gas, cable, cell phone, Netflix, YouTube TV, Prime, Hulu, Starbucks. More and more and more. But what oftentimes does not make that list is our giving to the Lord because everything else matters more. Do you see the importance of why Paul would be introducing this to them the first day of the week? set aside, store it up so that when I come, it's there, it's available and can be received. Our giving should be planned and thoughtful. Our giving should be consistent and regular. Number three, our giving to the Lord should be sacrificial and selfless. Paul's going to use the churches of Macedonia as a great example of sacrificial giving for the Corinthian believers. In 2 Corinthians 8, 1 to 3, listen to what Paul says says about the churches in Macedonia and their giving and how this is a model for them. He says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. Now, I don't know if you caught all that, can process all that, but this is, let me just read this one part again. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Have you ever heard such a thing? their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity. Come on. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Such foreign words to us, aren't they? How? How in the world could they have an abundance of joy in the same sentence as extreme poverty? How in the world could they have... Those in the same sentence, in the same characterization of, of their position, that they had an abundance of joy in extreme poverty and then a wealth of generosity. Isn't that so foreign to us? So foreign to us. And yet, that is the attitude and perspective of so many of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Around the world, suffering for the cause of Christ, and yet in their poverty, they give all that they have. We have a wrong thinking, so oftentimes, in particular in our American culture as Christians, when it comes to giving, we think we give only to get. We oftentimes are guilty of thinking that we give so that we can be wealthy and have an abundance of things. We think God is oftentimes appeased by our wealth or the giving of great gifts. Friends, God owns all things. His wealth and majesty and power are without measure. What can we truly offer to God? I want you to hear this this morning that God is going to be okay whether you and I give or not. But he wants us to give. He allows us to give. What a privilege and what a joy to be able to do that. We must break this thinking that we give to God out of our abundance, which truly costs us nothing, which means nothing, and expect the blessing of God in return. Our giving to the Lord should be sacrificial and selfless, not for our own personal gain, not without personal sacrifice and cost. Listen to Mark's account of Jesus teaching in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. It says, he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting in money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which makes a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Again, what an example. The churches in Macedonia for the Corinthian believers, this woman that Jesus shows what true giving is, and an act of worship and our giving to the Lord looks like. Our giving should be planned and thoughtful, consistent and regular, sacrificial and selfless. The very text before us, Paul makes it abundantly clear that these gifts were gonna be taken to Jerusalem. Those that were giving this, it was not something that they were going to be seeing in their exact spot and location, the benefit from it was for someone else. Selfless. Our giving to the Lord should not be about what we want in return, but it should be given as an act of worship for who God is, what God has done, and how God has blessed us. Number four, our giving to the Lord should be cheerful and worshipful. This might be one that's kind of like, how do we do that? Cheerful. Cheerful and worshipful. Again, he challenges these saints, these believers on the first day of the week to set this aside. Even as their soul has prospered. And in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, he says, Each one must give as he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. What a statement that is. God loves a cheerful giver. Can I ask you just to take inventory for a moment in your own life, your own mind, your own heart? Are you a cheerful giver? Are you a cheerful giver? That when opportunity comes to give to the Lord, is it one of those things where it's like, you know, you're whistling, excited as an act of worship to give, or is it like, to pull it away? He says, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is a cheerful act of worship to God. It's an act of obedience to God. It's part of our biblical responsibility and calling as a child of God. It should be done cheerfully, willingly, and in worship of God. If, if you have children or maybe if you've had siblings, have you ever wronged one of your siblings maybe when you were younger or one of your kids has done something to a sibling and you tell them or your parents have told you, I want you to apologize to your sister and I want you to mean it. Have you ever had that happen? Or you told your kids, you're going to apologize and I want you to mean it. If you've been there before, I've been there before. I had an older sister and a younger sister. Middle child, explains a lot of things. And if I did something to wrong my sisters, which I oftentimes did as a young man, young boy, that is, uh, I would go up to them and I might be like, I'm sorry, right? I would give one of those. And you know what my sisters would do? They would go tell my parents, he said, nickname again, boo. That was my nickname, who said he was sorry, but he didn't mean it. But like, now I'm really not going to mean it when I say it. My parents would be like, you need to tell your sisters you're sorry and you need to mean it. And I don't know how you do that. I just did it fake. Now I'm going to do even more fake as I try to be real, right? But we've all been there when we said, hey, I want you to tell them this. I want you to mean it. I want there to be sincerity. I want you to truly be sorry for what you've done. And so it might be the way you say that to me, I don't know, you might have gone from like, I'm sorry to, I'm so sorry. Does it look convincing? Is it look convincing? <laughs> when there's authenticity of remorse for something that we've done wrong, you don't have to force, you don't have to force an authentic apology, right? We know what it means to ask for forgiveness under compulsion and not willingly. We also know what that is like in our giving. Because if you're giving to the Lord is out of compulsion or because of obligation or feeling of guilt, I must do this rather than I get to do this. Out of a God demands it rather than I want to worship God in doing this. You either have cheerfulness in your giving or regret in your giving, cheerfulness in your giving, or compulsion in your giving. And Paul says, don't do this under compulsion because God loves a cheerful giver. We don't give to appease or impress men. We do not give to earn favor or grace in the eyes of God. We do not give as an act of penance to the church or as a payment for sin, praise God. We're not to give to buy our way to heaven because we can't. We are to give to our God and to the work of our God in worship, in joy, and in cheerfulness for his glory and for his work. What a privilege to give. What a privilege to be a child of God whose sins have been forgiven, whose eternity is secure, to be able to give to our God what he has first blessed us with as an act of worship. I have some questions to ask this morning. Number one, are you currently giving as an act of worship to the Lord? Is this a spiritual discipline in your life Is this something that you are consistently in a planned and thoughtful way, selflessly with sacrifice and with joy and cheerfulness giving to the Lord as an act of worship? Number two, have you prayed and sought the Lord's direction in your giving? Have you asked God to lead and direct you in how he would have you to give and what he would have you to give? Number three, are you sacrificially giving? with a cheerful heart? Is your giving to the Lord costing you something? Is there sacrifice involved? Is there a selfless act involved? Is God getting your first or what's left? These are important questions to ask. I don't know what you give. I don't know. I'm not specifically thinking of anybody in this room with these challenges and questions. But you know where you stand before God as it relates to honoring him in this area. And so these are some great starting questions to ask. Let me give some action steps. Number one, I wanna encourage you, start giving something as an act of worship to the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't give anything. Start giving something. Be thoughtful, be planned, be prayerful, be sacrificial and selfless, be cheerful. And as an act of worship, start giving something to the Lord because it's a privilege to give. It's an act of obedience to give. It's a matter of worship to give. I wanna encourage you, pray. Pray. For clarity and direction as to how God would have you to give. Even if you're here today, look, like, man, I, I tithe of my income. I give a tithe of my income. I, when was the last time that you went before God and asked God, and God, God, am I giving truly what you want me to give? Is it costing us something? Is it selfless and sacrificial? Pray and ask God for clarity and direction about how He would want you to give. Number three, have a plan and be thoughtful. Have a plan and be thoughtful. Maybe your plan involves seeing how you can increase your giving as an act of worship to God. Maybe your plan needs to be how to begin your giving as an act of worship to God. But have a plan and be thoughtful. And then prioritize giving and honoring the Lord with your finances. Don't let your giving be to the Lord as a final thing you do with your finances. May it be your priority. Don't see what's left. Set it aside first. Trusting God with your gifts, trusting God with your finances, trusting God that he's able and willing to provide and care for you and more than capable to do that. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7, Paul says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. God loves a cheerful giver. The biblical principle remains true even in regards to our giving. Obedience invites the blessing from the Lord. Obedience to God invites the blessing of God into our lives. As you and I give in a way that honors the Lord, we have every reason to expect God's hand of blessing in our lives. As we honor and worship God and prioritize honoring Him first with our giving, our finances, we have every reason to expect that God will bless us. We have every reason to expect that because that's what God does, He's faithful. He's faithful to his promises. He's faithful to his character. And God has called us to give as an act of worship. And when we do, we have every reason to expect the blessing of God in our lives. Every reason to expect that with confidence. But the same can be true that when we are not honoring God with our finances, when we are not giving to the Lord as an act of worship, when we are selfishly hoarding everything for ourselves, there should be no reasonable expectation of blessing from God in our lives. And I know that's hard for us to hear, and that's hard for us to talk about, but it's the reality. The pattern in Scripture we see is consistent all through the Scriptures. Obedience invites the blessing of God, and disobedience brings the correcting hand of God. Do not expect the blessing of God if we're not honoring God with what he's already given to us. These are principles regarding biblical giving for us to digest, for us to think through, and for us to be aware of. In our giving to the Lord, as we plan to give to him, it should be planned and thoughtful. It should be consistent and regular, sacrificial and selfless, cheerful and worshipful. What a privilege to give to the Lord. In verses five through 11, as I mentioned at the beginning of the message, Paul shares with him his plans for travel and some upcoming things. He says, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia for I intend to pass through Macedonia and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. I love even in this instruction, we see Paul's heart for the believers in Corinth. Paul's heart and desire for the believers in Corinth, his relationship with these believers was not one that when you're walking through the supermarket and you see someone that you know and you're like, I hope they don't see me. That's not his attitude here, right? He says, I don't want to just pass through quickly. His heart for the believers here is he says, I want to spend some time with you. I want quality time with you. And he says, I'm hoping to be able to come to you and to journey to you. And if the Lord permits, I will do that. I'll stay in Ephesus until Pentecost for a wide door for effective work is open to me. And there are many adversaries. Paul, even though he was desiring to go to them, he saw God opened a door. Listen, this is again, a whole nother message can be preached on this. But when we have our plans and God makes abundantly clear what his plans are, it's always best to stick with God's plans rather than our own. That's what Paul's doing here. He says, I want to spend some time with you. I want to be with you, but I'm going to stay where I'm at because a wide door for effective work is open to me. And there are many adversaries. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you. He's doing the work of the Lord as am I. There's a prioritizing of the work of the Lord. Let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace that he may return to me for I'm expecting him with the brothers. There's just a great intimacy we see in Paul's letter to the believers in Corinth. He cared for them. He loved them. He valued them. And he gave them some great instruction for them to be able to follow. I don't know where you're at today when it comes to the area of your giving. Maybe you're honoring God and God is blessing you in that. Maybe you're here and you're not honoring God in that and God's convicted you of that this morning. Maybe you're just not quite sure. But if God has stirred in your heart and God has challenged you this morning to commit to Him, to honor Him with your finances, with your giving, don't just push that aside this morning. Commit to honoring and worshiping the Lord first in your finances and your giving.